Welcome back to Muse to the Pharaoh. I am your host, Darlene Nisi. As you know, here on Muse, we like to poke some uncomfortable spots, more really to dig into why we feel the way we do about certain topics. In the past, we've delved into racism in the fandom, talked a bit about fanaticism and where that comes from, and we've covered how we feel about alleged connects to Prince and young women. Today, I want to talk about what it is about that Prince that makes us so suspicious of the women around him, especially as we move past the mountaintop of the Purple Rain era. Why are some women in the Prince world celebrated more than others? Or more, why are some outright hated or disliked by men and women alike? Before we get into it, I have to introduce my guests. First, from Purple Tumblr, also known as Starfish and Coffee, we have Eve. Hello. Hello. I'm so happy to meet you. I've known you for years now on Tumblr, so that's really fun. And then from our other social media, Facebook, Twitter, we also have Becky. Hi. Hi, Eve. Hi, Kanisa. (laughs) Hi. Nice to meet you. (laughs) Nice to meet you, too. Okay. So, as always... For the people who are new to the podcast, I like for them to tell their Prince origin story. So let's hear from you, Starfish. Eve? Um, I think I've um, spoken about this on my um, blog before, but um, the first real time I got into Prince, like my origin story, was definitely the Come album. That was the first one I had ever heard um, from beginning to end, and I just fell in love with him. And I was like, I have to know who this man is. I have to hear everything he's ever made. Wow, that is an amazing start to Prince. (laughs) (laughs) Really was. (laughs) Okay, and then Becky? Okay, so yeah, um, it's actually not super exciting, but I um, discovered probably the first time I ever heard Prince was um, 1999 when it came out. Um, I was a... high school senior in 1981 and so um probably when I was 19 I the earlier years I actually was really into um punk rock I was uh had a lot of um uh trauma and turmoil in my family life and so that kind of music was the first type of music that I really identified with but when I heard um, 1999 for the first time and I realized that Prince was in the world, I was completely blown away. I felt like I could still um, be anti-establishment, but not in an angry way like I had been before. Um, Prince kind of gave me the the courage to still be a nonconformist, but um, also, I felt like he was subversive, but in a different kind of way. And so uh, when I first heard a couple of songs on the radio from 1999, I started doing a deeper dive. And when I found Dirty Mind, I was like, gone. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> so yeah. Um, and I just rode with him um, for the rest of my life, pretty much from the time I was like 19 or 20. And a uh, couple periods of my life where I kind of, you know, drifted away, but always ended up coming back and uh, kind of checking in and seeing what he was doing. So, yeah. Nice. Okay. Let's get started. with a golden robe. Won't let you play your guitar. 
Into Prince specifically, I wanted to talk about just general fandoms around male figures. I know for me, I was a huge fan of Childish Gambino, also known as Donald Glover. Uh, that was my like maybe like four or five years of my adulthood spent <laughs> being a huge fan of him. But what is interesting about him versus Prince is the way that I approached relating to these guys because, um, for Donald Glover, he lived in Atlanta, and so he wasn't that far outside of my bubble of people I know, since um, I actually went to school with his younger brother and had some opportunities to meet um, Donald as well. So it was a little more um, seeing them as a real person and um, not really necessarily trying to have ownership feelings around him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even from like even thinking about Prince, I never, previous to him ducking out, I never really had that um kind of jealousy about him before he passed that I did after he passed, which I thought was really interesting. But outside of Prince, did you have like any other male fandoms that you were drawn to over your life, either when you were younger or now? Um, I think when I was younger, I had this kind of um, unusual obsession with Sid Vicious. <laughs> Because I was a really big Sex Pistols fan. Um, that band was really important to me because I uh, really needed that outlet for, um, you know, feelings that I had about the world and about life in general. But um, other than that, I mean, when I've discovered Prince, like, you know, as a 19, 20 year old, I had never had any feelings about. Uh, any other male figure before like that. And even though there were, there've always been other artists that I've been interested in. Um, I, I've never actually, I haven't dove as deep <laughs> with anybody else as I did with Prince. Mm. So I don't really have, I mean, I've been looking at, um, kind of the fandom surrounding kit harrington right now because i like game of thrones a lot Mm -hmm. and uh it's it's really confusing to i i kind of had this feeling about him when after game of thrones ended and then there was all that publicity about him and people were talking about his personal life and talking about you know whether he didn't deserve an emmy or he did and and i i thought to myself wow it must be really intense and uncomfortable to have every aspect of your life evaluated by the public. And I'm sure that that's the case for Prince too, but it's weird because I never really thought that way about him. Mm -hmm. I felt like he was always kind of above it, but I'm sure that in the end, you know, it still um, has a tremendous impact on your life to have your to be under the microscope like that of the public of people that don't really know you and yeah. don't really understand you. Yeah. Cause I was, I was thinking as you're talking of like some of the other male 
oriented stuff that I was into, I'm, it's coming back to me now, like Leonardo DiCaprio, hugely into him, <laughs> hugely mm-hmm. into Lord of the Rings. So like all of the fellowship people, especially Orlando Bloom, but even mm-hmm. them, it's like, it's, it's less personal because though I had the posters and stuff and, or even the books that are really high level biographies, I didn't feel like this is someone who represents me or this is someone who puts words to ideas in my head that just don't make it out of my head. Or this is someone that I really relate to on a deep level. And mm-hmm. even like before Prince passed, I kind of saw him more as a teacher and a professor still more, but like after he passed it, meeting other people who had this connection to him, it was just like, Oh, other people felt the same way. And it, it's not just me and and it's both awesome that you know we can find like minds but also it's like less personal in a way <laughs> yeah. and, and it kind of causes people to kind of latch on to say this is my view of him and when you introduce these other ideas that are outside of my view I feel like people are very possessive of their um, projections or their their definition of who he is I absolutely agree with that. I feel in a lot of ways, I mean, I know I'm digressing a little bit here, but life is really about stories, about the narratives that we create about um, ourselves and about other people and also narratives that other people create about us. And sometimes we're so invested in those narratives that um, we're really willing to defend them, (laughs) you know, really heartily. Mm -hmm. If we feel like someone is challenging the narrative that we've created about somebody that we care a lot about. Yeah. And and then I guess the second part of that question, because I'm thinking about, you know, did I even care about the women who were around these people? Like, I think there's something to, um, or I'm thinking of the Jacksons in American Dream. There's a part mm-hmm. of it where one of the brothers gets married and then the dad is like, you're going to ruin it. You can't get married because, you know, part of the image is that you guys are all single and available for people's fantasies. So when you introduce like a woman or a girlfriend, it kind of um, competes with that that projection, like we were just saying. So mm-hmm. do you remember like caring much about the other women who were around the people who weren't Prince or were you even interested in that? Honestly, it never even really occurred to me to think about um, like what their personal life outside of, you know, their celebrity self might look like. I don't know why, but I just, um, it, it seems for me anyways, it seems like Prince's interactions with the women in his life um, we're so wrapped up in um, his work and his personal life that somehow those two things got really intertwined. And um, we all, I've, I mean, I know for me personally, they seemed a lot more important than any other um, male celebrity that I might have been interested in. Uh, you know, what they're you know, relationships with women might have been. It just didn't even really uh, occur to me to think about it that mm. way. What What's your take on that, Eve? 
Oh, absolutely. Um, I've been a lot involved in a lot of fandoms over the years, and it definitely seems to be a recurring trend when whenever there's prominent male characters or a male figure in it, the female fans of the fandom do get weirdly possessive of them. Like, they give the women so much crap over nothing. And I, I don't know whether that's um, on a unconscious level if they're just jealous that that person gets to be near them, that man that they're interested in or whether it's um i honestly don't know what causes that level of hatred towards women in fandoms uh it definitely seems to be more a lot more with prince which is probably just because he had he surrounded himself with so many women but um yeah definitely when you look at like the michael jackson fandom they've always been a bit mysterious like the women involved in his career and his life people seem to be a bit overly interested in that but yeah definitely um in my experience prince has been the one where it has had the most focus on the women who have been in his life both professionally and personally but i think it's a good point though the way you said for prince specifically his uh the personal and the work intertwined so much because you're thinking about especially in the 80s you have wendy and lisa from the revolution you've got vanity apollonia for the six mm-hmm. and sheila e and jill they're they're so much a part of his actual career that and then of course being prince everyone assumes that he was romantically involved with every woman he was involved with <laughs> right so because, yeah, yeah. we know those that's not true right but still <laughs> right so but then you hear like the people who aren't talked about as much like gil chapman or bonnie boyer cat glover susan moosey brenda bennett ingrid chavez even though she's getting more um, attention now it's like why do you think that some folks are more um, talked about than others because even like if you're thinking about Susanna I wasn't you know alive for very long when you know the family was a thing but was she as talked about back then as she is now or is that a new thing or what are what are your thoughts um I think that uh, to, in answer to your question um she wasn't really talked about in my you know world of Prince that I lived in, um, she wasn't talked about as much as she is now. Um, I, I feel like, um, Prince was really careful, um, during that time about controlling the narrative with respect to the people that, um, were associated with him. And, um, maybe that had something to do with the level of exposure and also acceptance of particular women that surrounded him. Um, I mean, Purple Rain was a juggernaut. And I think a lot of the people that we know and are familiar with and got a lot of exposure, um, maybe that was part of the reason why. But for me I always gravitated toward the women that I felt like had a lot of agency. Um, what I mean by that is like, I felt like they were in their own power as women and not necessarily, um, only, uh, being driven by what Prince wanted other people to see of them. Like I loved Sheila. She, when she came on the scene, I just was like obsessed with her. <laughs> and, um, I felt like she was her own established 
uh, musical and personal self before her contact with Prince. Mm-hmm. And that was really important to me. I felt like I, I longed for that too, that sense of autonomy and strength and, you know, determination that, that need to self-determine. And so, um, that was really important to me, but I, I guess, um, I feel like Prince had a lot to do and say about who got exposure and who were the people that, um, he put up front, you know, depending on what he was, um, trying to accomplish. Fast forward to 87, you'll have like Bonnie Boyer and Cat Glover, um, in the Sign of Times crew. And I know for those folks, they actually did get paraded around a little bit with Sheila, um, in promoting that album. And of course, the Love Sexy stuff as well. Cause I was looking at like BET where they had, I think, um, one of the dancers and Cat were on there, um, being interviewed by Donnie Simpson on Video Soul. And then you'll also have like the stuff on MTV, um, with them. Um, going to premieres in different cities and things like that. Do you recall um, any of that or then being kind of in the media now representing Prince's brand? Um, I, I kind of do like sign of the times was a big time for me. I was so excited about what Prince was doing. And I honestly, I love cat and I would seek out, whatever she was doing or talking about (laughs) because I was so, uh, uh, fascinated by a lot of people. Um, she got flack because they were talking about how, you know, she was just like this foil for Prince, you know, like a prop, but I didn't see it that way at all. At the time I felt like, um, on stage, especially like during love sexy, I felt like she was actually, driving the narrative just as much as he was Mm -hmm. on stage. And I was, I was just completely enamored of their relationship and, um, her, I just felt like she had a lot of power there. Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting, especially watching their dynamics, their chemistry on stage as they dance, because Though, you know, he usually positioned her to be like almost sometimes a sexual foil, especially like the 87, they're on the mirror and stuff like that. But it didn't necessarily come across that way. It was like they were in conversation and mm-hmm. in, like she could hold her own around Prince as far as being, well, of course, he's like the star, but as far as playing off of their energy. And, and it's interesting to me that like in the conversations now, though, there could be a lot of reasons for that. She isn't necessarily, you know, held up as a as a important figure in the Prince world. I appreciate the work of D'Angela for bringing um, Kat Glover to her symposium to speak on her experience. And then I know a cat was also um, interviewed in the last sign of the times documentary that was released across the pond as well. And I think that there's a lot of insight from her. That's really important because I know she mentioned, Hey, or a conversation she had with Prince, like, why did you choose me? I thought you like, you know, the, exotical women and he was very surprised by that but it's also interesting because we know so much about prince um or we hear so much about prince based on his image and based on the media who talks about him that we don't hear as much about like kind of more of this personal relationships or friendships and things like that um 
again, to reference the Prince podcast, they interviewed Manisa, how's her? They interviewed Manisa Leitner. And she's like the cover mm-hmm. girl from, um, the Madhouse. Yes. And she told so many stories about her time in the Prince world that started in the early eighties and went through to the early nineties, really. And, and she's like a regular brown skin black woman. And so like, you're not going to hear about some of the more personal relationships or those people aren't being asked about their experiences to kind of compete with the other, um, stories that are around Prince in the eighties. Um, and I, I just feel like there's a lot to be mined there. I agree. I absolutely agree. I actually, I was at that symposium in Brooklyn for love sexy mm-hmm. and, uh, cat. It was like a dream come true <laughs> for me to actually be in the same room with her and to listen to her talk and tell stories about Prince. And she actually met with people afterwards. Um, and, I just found her to be like, I I just felt like she, from the very beginning, was in her own power. Like, I didn't think of her during that time as just a foil. I looked at her as almost like kind of the female version of him, mm-hmm. you know? She was... uh she was awesome. I just loved her so much. And it was really amazing to actually see her and get to talk to her in person. Eve, like for for the blogs that you run, first of all, like which blogs do you want for people to know? And then why did you choose those people that you um, champion? Well, the main side blog um, relating to Prince is obviously um, Princess Maite, where um, I do focus on the bulk of all Prince protégés. Some get lost in the shuffle just because there's not much to them. But um, I just, I find them fascinating both individually a lot of the time and as part of Prince's um, catalogue of music. I just, there's just something about a lot of them where they have such a distinctive personality and look and what they brought to Prince's work that I just find fascinating. And I've never seen like people actually have posts dedicated to Carmen Electra and we'll talk about that in a second <laughs> but I, I appreciate your enthusiasm around her but so we're talking about the ladies of the 90s now starting with Rosie Gaines How come sometimes we go so well together and then Gaines is from Oakland. She used to be the musical director of her band, and she's like powerfully um, voiced and has a lot of talent on the piano. And generally, she's mostly really well liked by the Prince fandom. Did you have any thoughts about her? 
I love Rosie Gaines. I think she's fantastic. Just, I mean, obviously there is that gorgeous voice, but she's so multi-talented just on her own merits as well. And then what she brought, especially on the Diamonds and Pearls album, it really enhanced Prince's sound. And I'm kind of sad she didn't stick around longer because she was amazing. Yeah. Becky, what were your thoughts? Um, I love Rosie Gaines. I, she's a powerhouse vocally and she's really talented um, in her own right. I feel like um, she uh, was a really, um, she really brought a lot to Prince um, uh, and had uh, her own established uh, career prior to joining him. And so, um, like Eve said, I was sad when she left. <laughs> I kind of understood why. But I was still kind of sad because it was um, that tour was a fantastic tour that she was involved in the new tour. So <laughs> let's talk about Carmen Electra. Now, I have to admit, I actually knew about Carmen Electra as Carmen Electra before I knew about her connection to Prince. And I'm not sure why. Like, I knew that in context. For some reason, I didn't realize, you know, there was something there that he even named her that back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. But look, listening back to her music beside that one song where she rapped over Do Me Baby, which I'm still upset about. <laughs> or no, it was a door. It was a door. I was like, what are you doing? This jam is for that special someone, whoever that someone may be. I don't blame her for that because she actually has a pretty good cadence and it's just that for me the music wasn't right for her but I really liked the idea of you know having the most dangerous woman in the world this is our future she is the scariest female on the planet she is inevitable she is addictive to listen to her music on a loud system is to come a thousand times Carmen Electra Paisley Park Warner Brothers CD and cassette all that stuff and how she was described that it just could have been executed better and I have to back up for just a second because I didn't put this in her notes for you guys but for a second can we talk about a lady who was in Graffiti Bridge and she was also in the video for Sexy MF you guys know who I'm talking about Mm -hmm. Robin Power of course I did not mention Robin Power. We should talk about her for just a second because there's there's a lot of information around her that isn't also talked about, whether it's um, how she introduced Carmen to Prince as well. And she had mm. an entire rap career that was supposed to happen that somehow turned mm. into Carmen happening. And she was also a pretty cool foil as well, though it was um, 
Graffiti Bridge, where she got her shine with Morris, um, she had Robin Power and the Uptown Dames in, as her group that she was putting together. And we talked a little bit about that in the Prince and Wrath episode. But really important to note her. Did you guys have any quick thoughts about her? I love Robin Power. She's another one who has like a really strong personality. Because <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, I actually um, I followed her on Twitter for a second, but then... And Instagram, but I saw her boobs too much because she does like that naked painting. I'm like, I can't like be scrolling at work with this coming up in my feed, but I support you and what you're trying to do. <laughs> but anyway, back to Carmen Electra. Did you guys have any, any thoughts about her? We'll start with um, Becky. Um, so I actually do have a lot of thoughts about Carmen Electra. Um, you're very kind <laughs> when you talk about her. I had, I, I guess maybe like I was uh, trying to think about like not myself, not feeling uh, possessive about Prince or not feeling like, you know, judgy about the women that were around him. But um, I did actually um, remember like during that time feeling a little bit salty about um, I used to say, I don't speak harmonies. <laughs> that's not something Aww. that I do. but she really is uh she's beautiful and she is an amazing dancer you know she um she has her own kind of talent but also like during that time my view of her was very um uh colored I don't know if you either one of you have ever seen this, but um, MTV used to have a show called Beavis and Butthead. Mm -hmm. Of course. <laughs> and they did a voiceover of her video um, that um, made me really mad because I felt like it was very misogynistic and uh, was like indicative of everything that's wrong with, um, you know, how we see women in our culture. Mm -hmm. Excuse me, Beavis. I have to go spank my monkey. <laughs> um, and but then I also saw myself having this reaction to her, like, um, why are you trying to do that? Like, that doesn't really seem like it's your thing, and you're trying to do something that isn't really you mm. and being kind of dismissive so yeah i apologize for that carmen that wasn't very nice <laughs> that's a good point though because i uh, that's really what kind of kicked off me wanting to do an episode like this because i had seen a couple of posts by other prince groups where they were very dismissive and kind of actually really rude about Carmen Electra or their thoughts about Carmen Electra and saying like she didn't have talent and just all these other dis super dismissive things of her and yes. I, I know it happens a lot around the Prince women especially after the 80s so I kind of that's kind of why I want to dig into why people feel that way because I think it's not necessarily just jealousy it's it's kind of just like that programming that we think less of women unless they're doing especially in proximity to someone like prince that they're dismissive of them because they think prince is only having them around because he wants to do them as if that mm -hmm. is his only note of you know operating in life but also there's like part of it is an envy that people are like well if she can do it then why not me like in some 
kind of projection type thing. And then um, people really like minimizing these women to just being sex objects. And as if, again, that's all women are for. And, and it's not necessarily just because they're related to Prince, but because that's kind of how people feel about women in general. And it just kind of amplifies under the microscope of the fandom. But before we go too deep into that, um, what are your thoughts about Karma and Eve? Uh, well, I'm the same as you. I knew her as Carmen Electra before I knew about any relation to Prince, and it tickled me pink when I found out that obviously they had, um, you know, worked together. He had been the founder of her career and given her her name. I thought that was very funny. But um, I just, I think it, I, whenever I see interviews with her, she comes across as a, a very good-natured sweetheart. Like, she's got a lot of um, self-deprecating humor about herself. She doesn't take herself that seriously. And as you said... um. She has a lot of um, great screen presence. She's got a lot of energy. And, you know, I love that go-go dancer song. <laughs> just, the, Wait. just the instrumentation oh, okay, alone. Okay, okay. <laughs> but see, I mean, like, I still feel if she had better music to sing or rap to, she should have mm. been much more successful than she was. But visually, mm. the image was in the right place, I feel like. But anyway, so... Let's talk a little bit about Nona Gay. She had a couple of connects to Prince um, with their musical collaborations. She's done um, versions of um, um, Make Me Wanna Holler. There was um, some other Marvin Gaye stuff on Madhouse 24 from a 90s version. And of course, she is in some of the VH1 specials with Prince performing things as well. And she's also in the Sacrifice of Victor book in the, some of the pictures that were there. So um, did you have any thoughts about Nona Eve? I felt really sorry for her because she's a wonderfully talented woman. And, um, you know, a lot of the stuff, although her presentation in the beautiful ones where she's just sad and alone and she needs Prince to help her. <laughs> that was not a great look, but she was such a talented woman. And it's a shame because a lot of the collaborations, like I love um, Love Sign that she did the duet with Prince. And I think she could have been such a great protege. Like he could have, the Prince's style of music could have worked very well with her style of singing and her voice. But he seemed to just completely disregard her and underuse her, which was a shame. Mm. How about you, Becky? Um, I actually um, am a big Marvin Gaye fan. And so when she came into the picture, I had a lot of feelings about that because, um, yeah, I think that she, I love Love Sign. That was awesome. And uh, I felt like she uh, was really talented. And But I kind of agree with Eve that maybe, um, I don't know, he that he didn't really uh, give her the props that she deserved, mm. kind of. Um, I just, I kind of identify with, you know, her life experience and... Uh, so I was, um, I was excited when she showed up, but then I was also really sad when I felt like, um, 
you know, she didn't play a larger role in what he was doing. Mm. For a couple of years in there, it was a lot because I was looking at the NPG magazine um, where there's an entire feature on her. And it talked about how she needs to free herself from her musical. I guess she was signed with someone. He mentioned how she needs to free herself so that they could work together more. But mm. and then you always hear about the side stories of why they stopped working together. <laughs> but um, yeah, I it, it's it's interesting because I'm a, I'm a huge Marvin Gaye fan also, and I used to like say I don't need my favorites to cover each other's work. Sometimes, like I don't need mm. like sometimes Prince would do. Um, like the temptations, like everyone talks about just my imagination from the eighties and how that's wonderful. I'm like, but there's a reason why that song is really good for me. It's the baseline and his versions don't really have a heavy baseline when he does it. And I'm like, can you not do, <laughs> but and then same for Marvin. I'm like, I don't like Marvin and Prince to like do each other's stuff, but, um, yeah, I, it was kind of cool to see at least, you know, some version of my other favorite artists, uh, whether it's, through a person or some kind of non-musical thing where they can still be connected. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely agree. Nona Gay should have been bigger and could have been bigger, but then who can outshine the star that is Prince really as a protege? Um, Nobody. Yeah. Or who will he let? Okay. So the next question, <laughs> which might get a little interesting. So the wives, um, what were your thoughts about the wives in context versus now? If you found out about them later, what had you heard about them and did it color your perspective? And we'll start with Becky. So, um, I remember in the context, um, I actually, um, re- the one thing that I remember really distinctly, um, about Mate was the interview on Oprah. Nervous. The couple say they are soulmates and believe they knew each other in a previous life. I feel like she was either my sister or we were the same person or something in another life. It, there's a closeness that that you know is right and you don't argue with. Well, isn't this all kind of weird? <laughs> well, it depends on how you look at life. I, yeah. Yeah. It seems to me, I would just say this is a description of the two of you, and when he talks about you, there's a thing that happens in his eyes. I, I do feel I, that I've come closer to who I aspire to be by being with her. Really? Mm-hmm. And what does she do for you that you didn't, that you didn't have alone? She makes it easier to talk to God. Really? Yeah. Oh, I could cry. Like, that um, was so incredibly powerful to me. I felt like, um, I feel like the wives get a lot of um, not nice uh, stuff uh, posted about them and said about them. But in the context of when that was happening, all I ever felt was like joy Mm. for him Mm -hmm. and her, because they Mm. seemed like they were so much in love and they seemed so happy. And so even though a lot of people were saying a lot of not nice things, um, I just felt like they, they just both seemed so beautiful that at that time that, um, 
and then in retrospect, um, you know, the, the trauma that both of them experienced and what they had to go through, um, it just, I don't know, it got, it, it was just so devastating to me, but I, I never really, um, I was never mad at my day ever, <laughs> you know? Yeah. How, how about you? Since you have a whole blog for Eve, <laughs> what are your thoughts about my day? Um, I found out about both wives, um, obviously after the fact, um, working my way through Prince's discography. And, um, I really like my day. Um, I like, I know I have said this before. I like the matchy matchy with the matching haircuts and the matching outfits <laughs> and, uh, just, um, her presence on, you know, obviously backing vocals in the music videos on stage with him. I thought it was really, really cute and I liked it. I, ha I have said before though, um, I've always found it a bit, um, well, more than a little skeevy, the fact that they met while she was underage and then obviously he was bringing her to his hotel and, doing a lot of um, very romantic-esque things with her while she was still underage, even if he waited until she was of age to start a relationship with her. I've always found that a bit. I know Maite doesn't hold any ill will towards him over that. She said so herself, but I can't help but feel that's a little, hmm, even though I do genuinely believe that they loved each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know, because um, we, we talked about her book and everything, I think, in the first episode mm -hmm. of Muse. And it was really funny because of, of the, the Tumblr folks that we were talking to or that were in our group, we read the book together and we talked about mm -hmm. how before we used to like watch, you know, Three Chains of Gold and make jokes about my day. And we're like, what are, you, what are you for? What is your purpose? Because, you know, she was just kind of around and she danced and sometimes yeah. it's really weird, especially in the Gold Experience era, watching those concerts where it's just Prince and she's kind of dancing around him. But it was in a different way than Kat mm -hmm. did. It, it, she was definitely there as a helpmate for him on stage, but it just seems mm -hmm. so like different than um, yeah. almost like, why are you here-ish? But yeah. I, we all air words because <laughs> you hear so much <laughs> about, you know, the what's on the org or people writing entire websites dedicated tearing her down and all this other stuff. And then mm -hmm. she addressed so many specific things that people had been saying for decades. And it was just like, Oh, and it made me really think about again, why do I get so invested in this, all of this really? Because it, it helped mm -hmm. me to be less judgmental of the people around him and really everybody in general. Cause it's like, that's their experience. I didn't live their experience. I don't know anything about what they experienced. So everything that I see happening around me is based on how I see it, based on my own biases, based on things that I've gone through. And I can't judge someone else for the actions that they have taken because I don't know them. Like mm -hmm. as much as Prince feels, I feel possessive of Prince allegedly, I don't know him. I've never met him. <laughs> so I, I don't really have... It, like my opinion is mine and any negativity that I have is not about them. It's about me. So that really helped kind of just shift my perspective around everybody around the prince, but especially of Maite. And I've met her several times now and she's totally like nice and she's very guarded as she should be in this <laughs> world. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, it's, it's really helped me to, you know, like just again, be less judgmental and not spend a lot of time like judging or tearing someone down, anyone down. Cause I'm like, I don't know your experience. I don't know the things that happened to you to make you have your whatever feelings you're having right now. Um, but then, uh, let's talk about Manuela. 
um, there's not a ton of information out there about her again, other than hearsay and stuff, because it was, she came around in a time where, um, he was less, um, out there himself or was a little more protective of his, um, personal life, at least at the beginning, because we're moving into the musicology era as well. But I believe she came around in around 98 as an assistant with love for one another. And then, um, stayed around till like what 2006 when they got divorced but um Mm -hmm. what were your thoughts about her eve um well i didn't know much about her um just while prince was still living um i just knew she was his second wife and i didn't have any feelings towards her one way or the other because obviously she wasn't really involved in the music side of things she wasn't singing or dancing so i had no strong feelings until i read my tea's book (laughs) and she goes into detail (laughs) <laughs> goes into detail of how, you know, Manuela was brought on as an assistant and then, you know, was quite clearly having an affair with Prince. Mm. And, you know, she did ask the question in her book, what kind of woman stands by and watches a husband and wife go out on stage together, do things together and carries on an affair behind their back? Which um, combined with the uh, rumours that are going around on the uh, Prince.org, which is not always the best source of information, mm. but... Um, apparently she was um, a frequent poster there and then one day was like I'm gonna go I'm gonna go be an assistant they were like oh okay good for you and they thought she was joking but apparently no no she really did honestly it's the dream isn't it <laughs> especially like I don't know because like I always thought about that because I was like man that's that's what you want to do right like you're a fan yeah. and then you find your way in there and then you get married to him and then realize like you'll be second place because music comes first but <laughs> Becky, what are your thoughts? Um, I actually, uh, it's so interesting. Actually, I was thinking about what Eve said about how Manuela wasn't involved in like the music or the performance side, and so um, we didn't really know that much about her. And uh, honestly, I didn't know anything about her until I read Maite's book, but. Um, I I don't know why I would have a different feeling about Maite than I would about her. In the end, I felt like um, it seemed like Prince might have been in a really painful place during that period of time and trying to find his way out of a, a really traumatic experience um, that, you know... Uh, it, you can't, I can't imagine how anybody could not possibly be affected by what happened to them, to him and Maite. And so um, it just never occurred to me to like, to judge her or to think about her any kind of way. But I think you're absolutely right on, Kanisa, when you say that, you know, in the end, um, you know, Prince's Bride was his music, <laughs> you know, that always came first. Mm-hmm. And so no matter what was happening in terms of, you know, who else was accompanying him in his life in terms of women or whoever that um, his first love was always the music. Yeah. And also, I I also get a little annoyed sometimes because, you know, one of my big things about Prince's agency and his ability to make his own decisions and decide who gets to be involved around him. Cause we love him so much because he has such a strong personality and his way goes and really nobody can compete with that. But then 
when things come up that we don't necessarily agree with, we want to blame the people around him rather than saying, well, it was Prince's decision at the end of the day. So I always feel some kind of way when people demonize the people around him, especially the wise, because it's kind of like, but Prince chose them. <laughs> Mm -hmm. He chose to invest in them. He chose to, you know, have them in his life. And so, I mean, there's some kind of responsibility and accountability there. And um, maybe some of the upsetness should be directed at the source of why they're there in the first place. But um, I don't know, just a side thought, I feel like. But moving on. Oh, go ahead. Somebody want to? No, I just agree with that. I think that um, that's a perfect example of. Mm-hmm. internalized misogyny yeah like we look at the women and we say um oh it, it it's you it's not him <laughs> yeah the scarlet letter i mean that does happen that does happen <laughs> a lot doesn't it we do i mean whenever prince uh juggled his girlfriends or when he did cheat on his wives we we do turn towards them and say well what were you doing wrong mm-hmm. why did he instead of holding him accountable and going well actually yeah and i mean i know i'm guilty too because like I, I always joke about, I don't really see Prince actually, except for O2 and a little bit in like 96. And there are both times he's married. So I'm like, well, you know, if he picks me out of the crowd, I mean, I'm not going to say no, I'm not married. He is. <laughs> but, um, okay. So fast forwarding a little bit to the 2000s. Now we have a, some proteges. Some that are talked about, some that are wildly hated for some reason. I don't quite understand. But first, let's talk about Tamar. So she was around for the work that happened on 3121. She did Beautiful, Loved, and Blessed with Prince. And she also had an entire album that was supposed to come out um, around that time as well called Milk and Honey. So um, I'm trying to recall because this is when I'm an adult now and I can remember things and I still don't quite remember too much around her being promoted specifically outside of like Good Morning America where she did like redheaded stepchild which is an amazing song. And um, of course, she I believe she was in the NAACP award show and she sang um, a song mm-hmm. there as a cover, but um, was waiting for her album to come out and it never did, I think, except maybe in Japan for a couple of uh, weeks or something. But did you guys have any thoughts about Tamer? Um, I love Beautiful, Loved, and Blessed. I think that's a beautiful song, and she has a great voice. Um, I, didn't she do something at Paisley for Celebration, too? Do you remember that? Or back then or recently? Like, recently. I'm trying to remember. Was she at Celebration? Oh, she was, she was she up was. here this last year. She did a, an event at um, Electric Fetus, and she had, like, a oh, mini okay. kind of EP that she was mm-hmm. selling, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then she, and she I kind of waited too for milk and honey, also. Yeah, and yeah, no, <laughs> <laughs> nothing. I mean, you can hear it on the side if you know where to look. And but yeah, how about you, Eve? 
and I'm so glad you sent the link with all the um, Prince ladies because I had actually forgotten all of them from the um, 2000s onwards. Oh no! Um, I know. Um, it. Thank goodness you sent the link though because it reminded me of several of them and I was like, oh yeah, I remember her. <laughs> um, I actually listened to Milk and Honey this morning and thought that is such a beautiful voice and it's such a well put together album. Like, and again, I don't want to be shady, but a lot of the Prince Protege albums they're not really tailored to the talents of the lady mm. they're just prince throw-offs but this definitely felt like an effort that had been tailored to her and it sounded so good and i was surprised to find that it had been shelved because it is a really good album mm. and yeah i mean i should note also that she was i think she was one of the original members of destiny child or some linkage because she was from houston mm. Where she knew Beyonce and the others and were singing with them when before they were like Destiny's Child. So there was some training there. And then I also read that she had connected with Prince in the 90s, like around 92, 93, 94, around there. And I think she sang, like, she sent like a tape of her singing somewhere over the rainbow or something. And Prince was like, get back to me when you're older, basically. <laughs> but. <laughs> I, I mean, I think that, you know, she's very talented. She's She has her own career. I think she was in, like, some plays, maybe Tyler Perry plays or something. And she was on, on one of those TV shows where you sing and get judged on, in America. So, I mean, she's had oh, yeah. a lot of starts to work in the industry and has had some success as an actress and a musician. But she definitely, I mean, I feel like, there's room for her to continue to grow, not grow, but to be a bigger star than um, mm-hmm. that we know about. So then let's talk about Bria Valente. And she's the one that everyone's like, oh, God. But my favorite thing to do is to sneak songs from Elixir onto mixes. And everyone's like, what is that? I'm like, remember that? Girl, you were like shading really hard yesterday. That's her. <laughs> because I really like that album because it's very laid back. And um, she doesn't have the strongest voice, but... I think for this album, it does kind of flow well with the music. And then we, we know that Prince didn't do a ton of duets, but he did one with the song Elixir. With his pen just like a lot of kind of beautiful songs um another one that i liked was um immersion is very light and it kind of um, just flows over the music really well and I think that's a project that often gets overlooked a lot because of her image and Prince presenting her as a girlfriend Um, and you know when he does that that tends to automatically take your points down like by 20% (laughs) no matter who you are especially this late in the game but um, did you guys have any thoughts about Bria? We'll start with Becky. 
Um, so I had actually kind of forgotten about her, but um, last night we became very reacquainted. Mm. <laughs> and I, I, I like her music a lot. I thought Here I Come is really beautiful. Yes. And I, I agree with you. I think Elixir is a good album. It's solid. And so, but you're right. When uh, women get that girlfriend status from Prince, they it's almost like it diminishes their credibility as an artist. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's kind of sad, <laughs> you know, that that, that that ends up being the case a lot of times. But it's maybe because of the way that it's not really about them. It's kind of about us and how we see them, yeah. you know, in relationship to him. Yeah. How about you, Eve? Um, I'm the same as Becky. I um, listened to Elixir and quite a few other songs by her last night. And um, I thought she had a really nice voice. But for me, there didn't seem to be a lot of um, personality. Mm. Like, she strikes me as the type of person who, if you heard a song by her, you'd like it. But you wouldn't look into it. You wouldn't really look her up. Like, as you say, if you mix her song in at a party, it'd probably go down well, but you wouldn't really be tempted to go, oh, let's go find out who this is and their entire discography. <laughs> of one album. Nice voice. Yeah. Oh. yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes me, especially that album, like a lot of Prince Protégé albums are really just Prince albums with someone else singing. And yeah. that one is really good, both sonically, but also in the lyrics. And there are some of the lyrics in these songs. It's just like, gosh, why do you understand women so well? That's so annoying. Like, you understand this better than I do, and I am a woman. <laughs> but um, I really like that album for that and um, like this part. harder to find because even now the Lotus Flower collection doesn't include her um, project with all the new releases. So I'm curious about why that is, but um, hopefully they'll re-release that because more people definitely need to check it out. I agree. So let's fast forward a little bit. Another lady who got, well, at least I don't know this. I don't believe this happened while it was in context because I don't remember anyone ever saying this. But after the fact, there were some people who were around who noted this person as a girlfriend as well. And that person is Andy Allo. So I have to say, in context, I had some kind of feelings about Andy because of the posts that were on Facebook. And she'd be like, oh my gosh, I have a crush on Prince. What should I do? And you could tell like there was a little bit of the 90s um, 
stirring the pot going on from a marketing perspective. So at the time, I didn't really like feel like it was real. I thought it was more like a promotional marketing thing. But um, as time went on and she was and especially like watching her on stage, you could tell her guitar wasn't turned up and she was just kind of there strumming it because um, I remember watching one and Prince goes over and takes her guitar and he goes, turn it way up. <laughs> and he starts playing it. <laughs> it's like, he's playing it way to outer like that. Or even um, there's this part in the Norsey Jazz uh, show where he walks behind her and while well, she's playing. And like, if and it was any like other person, they'd be like freaking out. And she's just kind of like, oh, la, la, la. And so I was thinking watching him, like, you don't know how to properly respond to this. What are you, what are you doing? <laughs> so it's like, she doesn't know. But, um, after like when I recognize that I feel some kind of way about someone around Prince, especially Andy, it makes me like really want to be obsessed about why I feel that way. And so I seek out everything there is to know about them. And then especially when I start to agree with some of the uh, the naysayers and I'm like, wait, that's that's something else. Let me let me challenge myself to figure out why I feel this way. So I digged into her discography and I started like with Unfresh. He approached me, said, how you doing, miss? I love the way you smell and I love your pillow lips. Said if I give him a chance, he'd take me on a trip. out before she was with Prince and I was like of course thank you because I really like this because it's it's R&B it's kind of like neo soul what some people call that um she was writing her own music at from a lyrical standpoint and it sounded really good so it started to make sense to me while why Prince was interested in her and then when you get to Superconductor which again is a Prince album <laughs> produced but someone else singing for a lot of it because I feel like she does better with less funky songs but Superconductor is a really good album as well and um, I think again because people started to dismiss her and I have to be included in that um, she gets dismissed as someone who isn't capable of writing her own music and when I had done the research to know that she was a very good lyricist and that she had written the lyrics for Superconductor as well it was like let me be fair and I have followed her career in, in context for a couple of years now. I saw her in concert a couple of months ago here in Atlanta. She is the sweetest person ever. And I watched her music Mondays like obsessively. And this is all going to start to sound weird now. But um, <laughs> I watched it every morning. He's like, I, I want to understand why he allegedly like was into her. And I totally understood because she's like sunlight and she's a really amazing angelic voice. And she's plays guitar a lot better now and she's really evolved as an artist.
So um, I told my story. Uh, Andy Allo is a Maite. Andy Allo to me is Maite is for everybody else. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I, I'm happy that I did that because I really, really like her now. I really support her now. So do you guys have any thoughts? So I can fight you have negative ones. Um, <laughs> Eve, <laughs> did you have any thoughts about Andy? Um, I had completely forgotten about her until you sent the um, link with them. Um, but when I was listening to her music, I was really reminded of Ingrid Chavez mm. for some reason, like just the style of her type of music. And I, I got kind of into it because I like um, I do like Ingrid Chavez. I have to admit. Um, but no, I really got into it and I was like, okay, I can, I can see where the appeal came from for this. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I can see why you would want to um, work with her. Yeah. How about you, Becky? Um, so <clears throat> I actually, um, Andy's a Sacramento girl and I have a strong connection to Sacramento and so um, I kind of knew about her before. Um, I I actually really like her a lot, but there were some definitely cringe-worthy moments when she was starting to get like a little bit, um, you know, in, kind of infatuated mm. with Prince. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so I. Um, I didn't really feel like I was judging her at that time, but I just had that kind of like, oh no, feeling <laughs> like, here we go. Um, but um, I remember there was somebody posted on social media a, a letter that she had uh, allegedly written the most... to him. Oh my God. Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember. Reading, I was like, oh my God, please. I would have burned that. That's so, I was, I was just completely embarrassed. I I just was like, oh, I was just cringing when I read that. But you and it know, was like, like all over the place. It reminded me again of that letter that was in the Maite, Maite's letter. She wrote a letter that was very similar to that, uh, but they yeah. published it in the NPG magazine. So it was a marketing. So I'm like, is this a oh, real God. letter or is this <laughs> like another one of those, you know? so Like a tool, yeah. just a marketing so I, tool. I couldn't yeah. really like tell but she didn't say anything about it which i'm glad she didn't like just because it was weird to me this is the thing i hate about social media it makes everybody super accessible but at the same time it mm. makes everybody super accessible because like i would never have the audacity to tweet andy allo about a letter that was only meant for prince if it was real and ask her about exactly. it like what are you doing and i mean like <laughs> and I, this is really why like i i was always a, a, a fan of prince but i would never tweet him because i'm like i want you to be over there. <laughs> I was like, because I've met some of the people I've admired before and I, I don't think you would disappoint me, but there should be some separation there. Like, and I don't want you to know me and I'll end up working for you and make $2. But it's like, <laughs> I wanted to keep that separate. But I think that's really weird a way people kind of like have uh, the audacity to do stuff like that about something that's so personal as if, you know, it's any of our business. But anyway, so you, you, you were... Sorry, I interrupted you. What were your other no, okay. Diallo thingies? Um, no, I I agree with you. I think that social media blurs healthy boundaries, you know, between us and other people. We feel like we know these people, like Andy, and we don't really know them. We just know the persona that is projected of them through their art and, you know, or whatever else it is that they're doing in the public sphere. 
But I, um, anyways, I love Superconductor. I think it's a great album. Super fun. It's definitely very princey. But um, I, I always felt like she kind of, she was growing as an artist, um, but she still had her chops before she met mm-hmm. him a little bit. You know, but yeah, that I I saw that little clip of North Sea Jazz, and I had that same cringy effect that you had yeah, too. I was like, I was like what, what are you doing? <laughs> but yeah, mm. I still I still listen to her a lot, and I really like her her music. Um, even though um, I felt like some of those songs on Superconductor were really kind of a little bit too much about her relationship with him. Um, it just felt like that to me anyways. Um, but I wish that, um, have you ever seen a copy of Weekend Love? Yes. You have? Yes. Well, I mean, it's not really so a copy. It's, it's, um, it was, it was streamed on title, uh, for like a day. For like a yeah, day, right? Yeah. But you know, the way the internet works, people grabbed it. So, oh, I'm so glad that you brought that up because that is probably my favorite protege project of Prince and I'm sure that'll get me like what? But what it is, it's Prince on acoustic guitar and Andy Allo singing. And so they sing songs that are covers. They sing original songs. They sing Prince songs. And it's beautifully done. And it's like basically something you put on when it's raining outside and you're just kind of sad and you just want to hear someone Mm. sing to you. Took off my dress, he took a peek While thunderstorms played hide and seek He begged for a kiss, I gave him seven Our lips touched and it feel like heaven Everything I want is what he does to me don't blush cause I'm so free When we're making love it's like surgery and I say ooh, ooh, I love you in me He did like a, um, a show for it at Paisley Park. She wasn't there. But they played the entirety of it. And I think they streamed it on The Current as well or some radio station up there. But definitely check that out because, um, I mean, you can Google around and find it maybe on YouTube or something unless it's been taken down. But it is beautifully done and they did a great job. And I believe it was um, recorded around 2011 or so. But he released Mm -hmm. it several years later. But yeah. Uh, Shelby J. So the thing about listening to certain things that I shouldn't have, the uh, a pattern that I noticed was whenever they would do shows, after shows specifically, and Prince wouldn't be there, he'd have like the band there, Shelby J would be singing, and then people would be like shouting horrible things to her, or they'll be like, I don't like Shelby J, like, why are you here? And it's like, what are you doing? Shelby J is like a ray of light. But, um, and, and she also came to Atlanta with Adrian Crutchfield earlier this year. It was a great show. But, um... Yeah, so she, I believe she started around Super Bowl time in a quick kind of turn of joining up with the band and her first gig was like the Super Bowl, which, wow. Right. But (laughs) (laughs) what did you guys think about Shelby J? Um, I really like her a lot. If you got, if you don't follow Shelby on Facebook, you should. 
because she is hilarious and like you said Kanisa she is a ray of light she is just all about positivity and love and like female empowerment and I just every time I see her anywhere or hear her or you know like come upon something on social media that she's doing or saying I just feel like this balm to my soul of like oh Shelby <laughs> thank you so much for you know all the wonderful positive energy that you're bringing into the world I think it's fantastic and I own 10 I love it and so yeah nice how about you Eve hmm. no I agree with Becky I mean she from everything I know of her and what I've seen of her she is really is just a bundle of positivity she's lovely and she is a fantastic live performer every time she every time someone comes up with a clip or live performance of Prince and Shelby J is there I'm like yes yeah, she's there <laughs> I love her yay and speaking <laughs> of people we love I adore Liv Warfield the first time I saw her was at the tribute concert, October 2016, and she completely blew me away. She sang um, Wow, which is actually called The Unexpected from her album, The Unexpected, which was produced by Prince. And that album is so freaking good. I'm not one for talking. I'm at home just plotting. The next taste I'm getting. You got me looking in the mirror, trying to plan positions. I gotta give it to your feelings. I want you to come and take it. There should be no waiting. Ready to unwrap and disappear. It's gonna taste good from the first bite. I gotta let you know that I'm feeling right. When you come see me, don't say nothing. Turn me around and grab something. Can't you see that I'm ready? it's kind of like it's R&B but it's also rock and it's kind of like it reminds me kind of a gold experience kind of sound and all the different mm. sounds that are on it and to see her perform those songs I've seen her a couple times now between the Dakota and um, she came to Atlanta as well and um, of course the tribute concert or even watching some of her performances like she did some on the Arsenio I think she's saying lifted soul lifted on there the first time I saw it I was just like enraptured she has She's a powerful singer, once of all, first of all, but she, the way she radiates that power, you're literally watching her and you're just stunned. My soul has been lifted to a higher place. Everything about you. Oh, oh. 
just came out, I think, with a new song as well. But again, I need people to check out Liv Orfield. I especially need people to check out The Unexpected. There's a Prince specifically pinned song on there. I'm not going to say what it is. You should listen to it because you probably pick up which one it is pretty quick because it has that that specific why do you write for women so well <laughs> thing to it that makes me annoyed and also amazed. But um, Eve, what are your thoughts about Liv? Um, I checked out some of her stuff. I didn't see any live performances, but I think I'm going to have to because um, when I was just listening to the um, recorded song she had done, I found it a bit um, forgettable, but that might just be because some people are better live performances than they are in the studio and vice versa. So I think maybe something gets lost in translation, like a type of charisma or energy she has on stage just doesn't come through in recording. Mm. So I'm going to have to check out more of her things. Mm, and she needs to come over there so you could see her in person. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, we need more people to come over yeah. <laughs> How about you, Becky? Um, yeah, she's a powerhouse for sure. I think that um, I've actually seen uh, little bits and pieces of her live performances and she definitely um, has, like, she's got an incredible presence. It's really amazing. She's one of the people that's definitely on my bucket list to actually see live mm. and not just, you know, like video or on social media, little clips here and there and stuff. Like, I really want to see her in person. Please, like, I can't even describe it. Like, even the time she was in Atlanta, she was part of a larger show. She was only, like, on maybe 30 minutes. But she made the most of those 30 minutes. She did it even a uh, cover of Betty Davis song. And I was like, what is happening right now? Oh, wow. Yeah, like she she can do it too. She can bring it. So it's just like every time I get an opportunity to see her, I go see her because she's amazing. And I totally recommend that for everybody. Okay. You've sold me on that. <laughs> I know I said I was going to make you guys guess, but I have to play a clip of this. This is the song that I mentioned Prince wrote for her for her song or for her album The Unexpected and it's called Your Show person we want to talk about is Judith Hill. I actually heard about Judith Hill from a, a documentary that I'd seen um, a couple years ago about background singers and she was like um, featured as one of the background singers. I think I want to say it was Standing in the Shadow. No, that was from the Funk Brothers. 
Uh, I can't recall, but I'll put a link to the, sh- the show notes to it in the show notes. But it, she talked about you know what it was like to be a background singer and the journeys that they have gone through. At the time, she wasn't linked with Prince yet. I think she was working with Michael Jackson. But she struck me as someone again as someone having a strong voice, and she produced back in time with Prince um, during her time with Prince toward the end there. And um, again, someone who is dragged through the dirt a lot because of her proximity to Prince toward the end and the stories that have come out like her experience and of course being linked to Michael at the end of his life as well. But um, I mean, it's tough. It's really tough to be a woman around Prince as a musician because of that stigma we mentioned earlier where you're automatically diminished because of your proximity. And I think it's also really interesting that as much as Prince was championed as as Prince as much as Prince championed women and talked about how powerful they are and how talented they were, nobody tends to agree with the women who were around him. But um back to Judith. <laughs> Did you have any <laughs> thoughts about her? I think she's um fantastic beautiful beautiful voice a great stage presence um the first time i had ever seen her was when she was working with michael jackson on that final tour which sadly never happened when um i think you can find the clip on youtube where she sings with him um i just can't stop loving you and i thought this woman's fantastic because i just can't stop i just can't stop Really, really gorgeous voice, and I just love her work. Mm. Becky? Yeah, I actually, um, I had heard about her before as a background singer for others, especially Michael, and uh, and I and I really love Back in Time. Like, I shed a lot of tears listening to that album. Mm. <laughs> but um, I also did have I felt some kind of way when the transcript came out and the interview that she did about what happened and you know how close she was to him and I really uh when I saw that stuff it was post departure and I was definitely feeling like kind of mad Mm -hmm. at her I was feeling like she should have or could have done more she was right there she was close but of course you know that's when I have those kinds of feelings I feel like okay I need to self-examine like why am I feeling this Mm -hmm. way and I was pretty early in my grieving process at that point probably like in the anger state (laughs) and Mm -hmm. so looking for somebody you know to like who can I blame? Yeah. <laughs> Which is horrible, I know. But um, yeah, it was a really confusing time and very emotional. 
And so um kind of worked through it and um yeah, I um I still listen to back in time and and uh still appreciate her as an artist. Mm-hmm. Didn't want to see the pictures or specific pictures that were in that collection that was released about the investigation of Prince's duck out. <sighs> so I, I was in a, a Facebook group at the time um, where they were discussing it. And somebody had thankfully, I think, um, created a zip file that didn't include the Prince's pictures. <laughs> But mm-hmm. unfortunately, I saw by accident because someone posted as a photo comment oh. on Facebook randomly. And I was like, why? Like, I, I remember I first saw it, like I wanted to throw up. Like, I really didn't need to see that. And I really didn't appreciate it. Yeah. But anyway. It's brutal. Reading through mm-hmm. all of the stuff that was in the investigation, it it, it was, it told a story for sure. It, but again, it depends on how you perceive things, right? And exactly. I remember reading Judith's parts. And um, especially about the Atlanta concert and because I, I was at that concert and, and seeing how he talked about things before he went on stage and then how he talked about things after was like crazy because his demeanor on stage was very like, you know, you can turn it on and turn it off. Right. Like when you're on stage, you're mm-hmm. there to do your job, to perform for an audience that paid a lot of money for you to see you and you're, you're doing a show. But then when you step off stage and you talk about how unhappy you are or how depressed you are, or how you feel tired, it's like it it made me give it didn't make me mad at her because, you know, she was there to hear how much he was struggling. It made me think about him and how much he sacrificed his life for us as an artist. Mm-hmm. And all of this, like hearing all the commentary around the women in his life, especially now, because a lot of people have guilt about knowing certain things and not being there for him as much as he supported all these different people over his life. It's like, it really just, like I said earlier, I don't blame anybody around him. I'm looking at him and I'm thinking about myself and how, especially something I've learned about myself since he's passed is that I don't ask for help when I need help or I feel like I can't, I don't want to be a burden on other people or I don't want to like, feel like I have to depend on someone else to do something I should know how to do. And so even now, like I'm a little better about it now, but I, I'm still in a place where I'm very bad about asking for help. And and mm-hmm. I I don't blame Prince for it because I understand that. And I don't blame anyone around him either because you can't make changes for yourself until you're ready to, until you decide to. And nobody can force you into that space. So like yeah. when it comes to the women or people feeling guilty or people saying you should have just done this, that, and the other. Like Prince was never going to do anything that he wasn't ready to do. We know that he mm-hmm. had a really strong personality. We know he chose the people around him for a reason. And we know he kept people away for a reason. So, I mean, and not to say, oh, it's Prince's fault, blah, blah, blah. But it, it just speaks to what is, what are the tools that you have to deal with the situations you're in and how, how, how much are you aware of yourself and your own demons and how much do you want to address them? And um, some people have made a choice that they don't want to, or they don't want help. And it's their decision and their prerogative to do that. So um, for Judith, I'm sure she's devastated. Like 
I'm not sure how mm-hmm. she's okay now. Like she was around these two titans of life and these things happen to them because of not because of her, but really because of stuff that they were struggling with. And, and um, to be out there to say anything about it, or especially in fandoms that are obsessive as Michael's and Prince's, mm-hmm. it is a really, really tough space to be in. And I really admire her for continuing to push forward in her work or really any of these ladies or any of the people who've ever worked with Prince um, because it has to be very tough to, to know things or to, to be in proximity to someone who's done so much for them, even if it was a difficult time, but to improve their, to strengthen the character for them to be able to handle things later. That's, that's one thing I've heard from talking to people who work for Prince from Prince podcast stuff or whatever is while they recognize that he was very difficult to work with, he also made it easier to work for other people later because he he made them stronger in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I don't know. That was a weird tangent. But um, really, again, a, a large part of this was my taste book <laughs> that made me look at everybody mm-hmm. differently, but especially in my own life and not even related to Prince. But I, I just wanted to say that in regard to Judith especially, because I know she gets so, so much hate from so many different people and there's there should be some compassion there. I agree. I think as women, we, um, you know, we spend so much time, I, we live in a culture that um, is very still, even though there's been a lot of progress, it's still very sexist and it's the, you know, the male perspective is really dominant. And so as women, we kind of internalize that misogyny and then we've acted out on each other mm-hmm. a lot. And I think that it's really important for us to be able to examine that and why we're reacting to certain women that way. And and instead of, you know, like tearing each other down, we need to be compassionate and support one another. Yeah. Mm. Mm. <sighs> I probably skipped ahead a question, but rewind because we have one more person to talk about. Um, that yeah. we know more about because of those investigation documents. But Natalia. So Natalia has a history with Prince as well. She was actually the little girl who was in the Million Days video that supported musicology. Um, she's like the little blonde girl. And she mm-hmm. worked with Prince a lot in the later years. I actually saw her at a family party that they threw after the tribute in 2016. She sang a song that she wrote with Prince called I Kind of Like You. And I remember because this was pre- my getting better as a person. <laughs> I saw her and I was just like, I noticed that she had lipstick on her teeth. And I'm like, why didn't anyone tell her that she has? But I was like, who is this? Because the song was like really flirty. I'm like, whatever, Prince. Who is this person? Like, why is she singing about you? But um, again, looking into her, because that's what I like to do to challenge myself. Um, she's the multi-instrumentalist. She plays the bass, she plays piano, plays guitar and like, um, other like international instruments as well. She has a really interesting tone in her voice as well. And she's very beautiful and um
following yet. And I noticed that, especially toward the end, the ladies that Prince was working with, they're all very talented, but I think that he probably encouraged them to work outside of the system because you know how Prince is. And so they're not, you know, as promoted as some of the larger folks. But um, have you guys heard about her too much? Um, I'll ask Eve. Um, honestly, not until you sent the um, questions over with the links to um, the various ladies, but I have um, listened to some of her stuff and I agree. I think she has multi-talented, mm-hmm. lovely voice mm-hmm. and I do hope that um, whether through self-promotion or if she can get um, some kind of um, record deal that pushes the promotion for her, I would like to see her um, get more um, attention. Yeah. How about you, Becky? Um, Yeah, she's super talented. Um, And I felt really bad because, um, you know, when she first um, started working on her own stuff, of course, all the, you know, that mean-spirited part of the Prince fandom came out and were like, yeah, the little girl on a million days and now here's here he is asking her to record a song for him and she's still a teenager and I saw all kinds of stuff on social media and I was really bummed because she is really talented and uh, it's so unfortunate that, you know, uh, people have to, you know, kind of navigate through all of that stuff just to do their art. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It makes me feel sad, you know, that we can't just be more supportive of one another and less judgy. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like linking to Prince unless you're like uh, a Rhonda Smith or that type is not going to help your career. Mm. <laughs> like if you're yeah. a Prince protege, that's that's not it's not going to endear you to his fans because they're going to automatically just diminish you for that. And even in the media you all you hear from people who don't really know Prince is like, oh, you're a money grubber or you're just linking on to. And I'm like, OK, I mean, I mean, it's really tough. Like if, if you're mm-hmm. an engineer or if you work behind the scenes or if you were a musician in one of his bands, then it is helpful if you have been working since you worked with him. Because like you'll hear about NPG and um, mm-hmm. they have a lot of them are still working musicians for other artists. They're not necessarily, you know coming out with uh, Prince-related things. We have a touring band, and some of them are kind of like, they have a real job outside of that. And I don't know that mm-hmm. people really recognize that, that those tours do not make them money. <laughs> they often lose yeah. money. They are not doing it for the money because um, they are doing it for the fans who want to hear the music. And I noticed some bands are more supported than others, but n- none of them. Revolution's not making money either. So... I, I really hate the money grubbing complaints as if they're rich or even that working for Prince made them a lot of money, which you'll hear in a lot of people's stories that he didn't necessarily pay them a lot either. So um, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's 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 unfortunate, especially for all these people that we talked about today, especially the later ones who are putting out albums and aren't necessarily supported by Prince fans because um that's strange to me because a lot of their music sounds like they're in his wheelhouse too. So I'm like, if you're a fan of Prince's music, why not? You don't have to be a fan of these people, but like, why not check them out? Because you'll hear similar sounds. But um, I don't know. It's I just wish as a fandom that we were less mean all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about I, it. I mean, yeah. we talked about it before. Like, I was not interested. Well, I've been a member of the org since the like 04 or 05, somewhere around there. 
And I never engaged there because it was just so toxic. And I'm like, how is this man who's about love for one another and supporting each other? And yeah, he was shady, but he was only shady for real reasons. He's not going to be shady for no reason. But why is his fandom not reflective of that kind of inclusion? And um, and I think a lot of it is because he is so personal and we all have this image of him that is ours. And um, when things get that personal, it's hard to share. Because then if he's something else to someone else that you can't relate to, that kind of takes away from your connection. But it doesn't. And um, no. just just let people enjoy things. Yeah. Can we just have our experience? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> But I agree with you. I feel like... Um, uh, his music, I think, to a lot of us, feels like it's for us personally. Mm-hmm. Like, when you listen to it, you feel like he's talking to you, you know? And so things get kind of messy <laughs> when yeah. you start, you know, uh, incorporating other people into that equation. And I think it's important for us to remember that, um, you know... Uh, Boundaries are good. <laughs> it's good to have healthy boundaries. <laughs> so, and not yeah, I mean, be not so exactly hard it. on other people that are associated with him. Yeah. So, I guess last question, even though I've probably answered this throughout our conversation today, set of questions. So, have you ever caught yourself judging or harboring resentment about women around Prince? And are you comfortable sharing why? And what is your perspective for how you engage with Prince's legacy and um, to where this doesn't bother you? And I kind of wanted, again, to revisit E because I know, again, you have several fan blogs for all these women. And I'm interested to hear your perspective about why you don't necessarily have a possessiveness around Prince and you're able to celebrate all of the women in his life equally. Mm-hmm. I think um, for me, I've never, from a very young age, I've never had an issue with um, what a lot of people do with celebrities where, especially now with the advent of social media and them being so accessible, I do think people become very possessive because they feel as if they know the person, even though they don't, even if someone, you know, posts a lot or like Prince is very, relieves a lot of personal stories or messages in his music. It's not the full story it's you don't know the real person and i think people have a problem um drawing that boundary having that line and so people create images of people in their mind and they put them on pedestals and so whenever anybody else factors into the equation whether it's work colleagues girlfriends wives i think they have a um real problem um you know letting go of that possessiveness but thankfully i've never had that problem I've never had a problem not putting celebrities on pedestals or thinking that I know them. And so for Prince, I'm more than happy to just accept him as an artist and whatever he may have done in his personal life is really none of my business. So I'm not in the position to judge him or anybody who was involved with him. So I've never had really a problem with the possessive nature, which enables me to um, see things or enjoy things about the various uh, prince proteges over the years that maybe some others don't because of that Mm. i love that okay how about you becky um yeah i don't i mean for me 
personally, um, I don't think that I feel a sense of entitlement about him. Um, I actually uh, thought that I had done a pretty deep dive in my life with Prince. And uh, then I started later on exploring like other fandoms and elements of like, you know, how to connect with people. And then I realized, oh, yeah, no, there are some people <laughs> out there who are way deeper in than I am in terms of like feeling personally connected to him. Um, not just as an artist, but like as a man. And uh, so, but in my in my own personal relationships, like I've never been a possessive person. I don't really approach love that way. And so um, I'm not really a jealous person. And I, and I don't like that feeling of ownership that sometimes people have about relationships. Like they um, own that other person or that other person has some kind of ownership over them. And so I don't, um, I don't really feel that way about him. I've, I've had like probably not super nice feelings all the time about certain proteges because, um, I do, I know I do have that implicit bias of, oh, did you have a career before him or not? And that's not really fair, but it, but that those thoughts have gone through my mind before of like, you know, did you, did he pick this person just because, you know, uh, you know, he wanted to promote her because she was beautiful or because, you know, he liked her personally, but that she didn't really have the talent that she would need to sustain, a, you know, a career or, you know, a certain sense of artistry. But um, those are, I feel like those kind of judgmental feelings, like I, I want to try to acknowledge if I have them. And then I want to examine why I have them and what is going on with me that's making me feel that way about somebody. Cause it's, you can't really, you're always going to see um, everything through your own lens and you have to be able to acknowledge that that's a limited way of seeing. And um, you can't really know someone just from their public persona that's projected. It's, um, it's kind of impossible. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree. Cause I, I think I'm somewhere in the middle <laughs> between you guys <laughs> because, um, I like to think that I'm not judgmental and then I see everybody. I, I hold the space for people to have their own truths. But I also have to say that is not a position that I have always had. It is something that I constantly work on in myself and it's definitely an evolution. I'm a lot better about it now than I was several years ago and I will continue to get better about it because um like I said whenever I feel some kind of way about something around Prince or a person around Prince especially a woman because I know that I have my own securities when it comes to my femininity because I'm like I talked about it before I'm like barely 90 pounds and I don't have the curves and everything um that you know biologically makes a woman attractive and so I'm very insecure about that so if I see someone around Prince who's just like this goddess, I'm just like, well, whatever, I can be cool too. <laughs> and I'll feel some kind of way about that. But I also, because I know about, about myself, then I, I'm, I, I forgive, my, not forgive myself, but I'm aware of how I feel when I, um, when things, when that comes up or when that emotion comes up for me. So like I said, the Andy Allo, like 
why will turn into me like being lightweight obsessive for a while to figure out how she works and what her music is and then I can release it and be like okay this is this is fine <laughs> not to say if I researched and it turned out not to be that way I wouldn't you know accept that but it's like like you said Becky like drilling in to figure out why I feel that way identifying my spending spending time with myself or my shadow self as um some mystics would say to figure out what am I insecure about mm-hmm. and then thinking about how that shows up and how I react to other things um, because at the end of the day, just like there's a lot of programming in um, like inferiority due to race or gender or whatever, that is going to also color how I see something like like, again, you said there is an inherent kind of misogyny in all of us in some way, just like there's an inherent inherited like racism and all these other isms and horrible things that are all born from insecurities. So um, I, I would just encourage like. If you're feeling some kind of way about, again, anything that's happening around Prince, but especially the women, think about what is informing that kind of way. How much of it is you? How much of it is your programming of discrediting women in general outside of uh, the role of sexuality? Like there's there are more we're here more we're here to do more than look good and for you to have relations with us so um i I consider just like prince kind of expanded the definition of what it means to be black for people really think about expanding the definition and what it means to be a woman or to express as a woman or to be gendered as a female or a male or um any kind of um pronoun that you wish to identify with because um Again, there's strength in that. Um, there's character growth there, and there's um, an awareness that once you stop reacting in that negative way, <laughs> or in a challenging way, or the symptom that you have a reaction, um, there may not be one once you kind of heal that part of yourself. Okay, so where can we find you guys on the internet? Um, how about you, Eve? Well, of course, um, it's all on Tumblr. Um, it is partially just because I am. I tend to be a very closed off person. So that's the only social media I do because it means I don't have to give away anything about myself. It can just be about the things that I enjoy. I respect so, that so much, coffee. by the way. But- <laughs> oh, thank you. It, it, it is tempting sometimes, but I think, no, I'll just regret it in the end. <laughs> so yeah, Starfish and Coffee on Tumblr. And I've got links to all the other little blogs if you're interested. Um, can I just plug this really fast? So I saw um, on the Facebook side, which is a great idea that you don't want to engage, there are colorizations <laughs> of Under the Cherry Moon and somebody had edited them into like a video with um, some songs over it. That is actually by Starfish on Coffee, who is just spoke right here. She spent a lot of time coloring each specific frame. And I just want to make sure that yep. people <laughs> know <laughs> that she's the originator of all of those things. I have seen that and it is fantastic. Thank Mm -hmm. you. Beautiful work. She has great Mm -hmm. gifts. She has great. Anyway, check out her stuff and I will definitely leave (laughs) links in the show notes. (laughs) Yes. Okay, Becky. Um, You can find me on Twitter at at Equipocalypse. And uh, I'm also um, in the quagmire of Facebook. I do go there mostly because I like to hang with Dwayne (laughs) Tudal. on the 
mm-hmm. print studio sessions <laughs> group. <laughs> but I'm just Becky Haynes on Facebook. Okay, and I am Darling Nisi. Find me on Twitter as well as on Instagram. I changed my name over there, so find me there. And Tumblr as well. And we are part of the podcast on Prince World by Michael Dean, also known as Podcast Juice. And I hope you guys have a great day. Bye.